All right. Welcome to the podcast. Today's guest is no stranger to success. As a high school runner, she accumulated nine state titles in the sprints and hurdles, but the accolades didn't stop at Minot High. At North Dakota State University, she was a three-time Division I All-American and won so many Summit League titles that I honestly had trouble counting them all. Welcome to the podcast, Morgan Milbreth. Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. Doing well. Are you in Minot right now, or are you in Fargo? Where are you currently Zooming from? So currently Zooming from my parents' summer home in Strawberry Lake, which the closest town is called Russo, North Dakota. Um, But Minot is about 45 miles northwest of where I currently am. So currently in the middle of nowhere, basically. It's not a bad place to be, honestly. No, it's it's a gorgeous day out here, not too windy, so it was it's been a nice day. Spoken like a true North Dakotan, not <laughs> too windy. As we're getting into it, uh, like this podcast is obviously about track and field and athletes from North Dakota, their time in North Dakota, and how being from this state and and their time in in track and field has shaped them and molded them. So so we know you're from Minot. You graduated from from Minot High. But we want to know, like, where did it really start? What was your first taste of, of track and field? And, and maybe it wasn't track and field that was, like, your first introduction into competition. Yeah, so just tell us a little about that. My first real recollection personally of competition probably was what was called, like, the summer rec games in Minot or the – yeah, summer rec, basically – and once a night in the summer for about eight weeks, they would have a track and field event or a little a mini track meet that had some races and they give out ribbons to all the kids. And I raced against actually like Alexis Woods from Partial. She would come up and race at these and they used to bring a whole bus of kids from Partial area up and they would come race. And there was many other athletes that were very good athletes in high school that I would race against. And even some kids that I ended up being teammates with along the road at different points in my career. It kind of started that way. And then as we just kind of kept getting older, I kept sticking with that. And then there was the Hershey games, which are now kind of obsolete, but for us that are old enough kind of can remember those. My first year in the Hershey games, I got, I ran really well and I made I qualified for nationals and ran nationals that year. And that was kind of my eye opener that I was like, Hey, maybe I'm better at this than I thought I was like, I'm faster than just some kid having a foot race on the playground with the boys and girls at recess. And I think that's kind of really just that those summer events kind of what got me started. And then I kind of just stuck with it, ran in middle school and high school and just kept running hard. And did you race a lot like on the playground? I know you had like made mention to that, but was that like a real thing or very primary grades K through two? I was pretty gullible and the boys would always want to race because there was not a lot of girls at the elementary school at the time. And so a lot of the recesses were very boy typical games, a lot of kickball, a lot of wall ball, foot races. Yeah. So I don't know. So I've been told stories. I don't personally remember it, but I guess when I was like a first grader, I was racing like fifth graders on the playground and beating some of them. Yes. I guess that was kind of one of those stories that, you hear later in life and someone's like, yeah, you don't remember this. I'm like, no, I was, I was just a kid playing on the playground. That's what we did. We just made up games and made up rules and had fun with it. You're an absolute OG. If you remember Hershey track meets, like the Hershey district meet every year in Grand Forks, that was what we lived for. Oh yeah. I remember. So over on this side of the state, it was a traveling district meet. And so it wasn't always like Minot usually had one, but for whatever reason, one year it wasn't in Minot and it was in Drake, North Dakota. And if you guys have never heard of Drake, North Dakota, it is a very, very small town about an hour, 45 minutes, an hour from Minot. And they have a dirt track. Wow. So like some of the races were run on dirt that year. If I, yeah. So small world out here on this side of the state you guys in your privilege in grand forks get <laughs> to run on a real track every time i think there needs to be a meet at drake every year not drake realize 
Drake, North Dakota. Do they still have that dirt track? Have you been there since? I mean, I haven't stopped at the high school or stopped at the school, but I actually did on a road trip just drive through Drake a couple weeks ago, ironically. So, so it's, still- it's, it's not far from where I am. Maybe I'll make a little trip on a rainy day out there. Yeah, you might have to run in the mud. Yeah, that's cool. Hey, anything for good old times, right? Right. I think maybe we should have an all-comers meet at Drake. Dirt track, nothing fancy. Just come and run. Run fast and see what happens. I'm sure you could set some town records, some stadium records for sure. That would be an awesome meet. (laughs) That would be fun. It would be even better if it was like just right after a good old rainstorm or something, you know? (laughs) Just really tried and true classic North Dakota tough. Like, this is what we've got. Let's go for it. If we're having a meet there, can we have like the little spades? So you have to like dig out your own starting blocks at the beginning of the of the race too. I think that would be really cool. I mean, yeah, I, I would definitely pay to watch that type of meet. I would go. <laughs> so speaking of bigger meets, because apparently this thing's going to take off and become a huge meet in the next couple of years. You have like so many claims to fame throughout your whole career, but definitely one of them is you're recognized as the young freshman that ran stride for stride with Laura Raisler, you even beat her in the hundred meters. What was it like being honestly one of the state's best sprinters at such a young age as a freshman in high school? Or did it even cross your mind at that point? Were you like really naive? Did you know you were one of the best? I think at, at times I was a bit naive, but I also carried a lot of personal high expectations for myself that nobody else around the state or even my parents or coaches, nobody had those except myself, myself for myself. And I think when I won the hundred, cause it's, there was th- still four more races that day for myself or three more after that. I just like was waiting. We, everyone, there was a moment of silence. It felt like in the bowl and my name came up first. And I was like, yeah, that was awesome. And then I was like, all right, let's go get ready for the 400. And then I ran the 400 and I was so tired after that. And I was like, man, I still got to run a 200. And I was like, I just got to get through it. At that point, I think I was just so young that I didn't realize it. But coming in the next year, I definitely personally felt that self-pressure coming in. Like, all right, I did so good last year. I, I want to do that good or better the next year. And after that, year and year after that, to an extent, I noticed it but I think it was more personal and not really from anyone else in the state. And so how about the next couple of years? So you mentioned like the expectations you put on yourself, but did you feel as you got older, there was more expectations from other people like that sophomore year showing up to the state track meet where did it feel like all eyes were on you? A little bit. Yeah. But not, but not as bad as I feel like it could have been. I feel like North Dakota as a whole is like a pretty relaxed state in terms of some of those things. And, Honestly, I didn't really run like that standout-ish my sophomore or junior year where it was like, okay, she's running a 53 again. You know, I ran that 53 in my freshman year of high school. And then I was more of a 54, 55 runner my sophomore and junior year. And then, um, so I was kind of that case. And then I had that injury my senior year, which I, I lost most of the season to that. But the pressure was there, but it was really always more from me. I never felt it from other people. Everyone was just always supportive, or at least those that were directly around me, I guess. Those who weren't directly within my circle, I, I don't know how they felt about it, but I never noticed the pressure from them. How about you and Laura? Like you, Your guys' race, that 400, was just named the race of the century in North Dakota track and field. We We chatted a little bit before this. We weren't sure, like, you know, the decade, for sure, the century, like, you should take that as a huge honor, because I don't even know if there's been 100 years of state track in North Dakota. Are you and Laura still, like, friends? Do you ever talk? Do you text each other at all? Me and Laura were never, like, super close in high school or out of high school. Um, There's been moments where we've had conversations in passing at track meets throughout college, or events like this where we hopped on a Zoom call together and chatted with Rory about that race and reminisced some of those times. Um, And occasionally I'll speak with her parents because they are active in North Dakota State track and field stuff. And so occasionally I'll have a chat with them, but we're not quite on the 
the texting everyday situation, but we're definitely not enemies by any sort. We definitely get along and have great conversations when we're talking to each other and stuff. Before the, the race or throughout that season, had you like heard about Laura or were you totally just like focused on like yourself and like, I'm just going to run as fast as I can and I don't care who I'm racing. I'm going to beat them. So I definitely knew about Laura. I was lucky enough my seventh and eighth grade years to, to run or to qualify and run in state track and field in North Dakota. Um, so I had known Laura cause I'd ran against her the prior two years, even though I was a freshman, I still had had two years of competing against her. I'll be, she cleaned my clock both those years. Like it's, <laughs> it's nothing to be ashamed of. She's, afraid of. No, she, I mean, so, she's good. Yeah. There's nothing about against it. She's a phenomenal athlete and, and still is to this day. And so, I mean, I definitely knew who she was and there was times where I was kind of, I was kind of closing that gap a little bit every time. You know what I mean? It wasn't like great leaps and bounds, but there was little marks. We ran in prelims and in prelims, my time in the hundred was faster than hers. That was kind of my sign. Like, wow, this is, I'm closer to this than I realized, you know? And, and then we turned around and raced in finals the next day. And I, I won that day, but like I said, she had won many before and, she won after we raced against each other in college and she won those races too, you know, which we're just both competitive athletes from North Dakota and we both had great careers. That shows like a lot of maturity from you as like a competitor. Cause I know myself in high school, I guess I like, you know, raced against Jake Langang, who's, I guess, you know, similar in the guys, the boys like distance and, I think pretty much anybody who ever raced him had lost before they even started. Cause it was like, Oh, there's no way, no way anybody's going to beat Jake. So I think that's, that's, I mean, just, so what, what a unique, you know, experience to compete against somebody that good and not get distracted by it. All right. Enough about your competitors. Uh, back to, back to you, Morgan, you went on to win many more state titles and, pretty much dominate the the state sprinting scene walk us through some like significant moments other than those those championships um that stick out to you in like your high school career personally I think some of my bigger moments were the ones on relay teams and things like that um I remember as a seventh and eighth grader being young and getting placed on relay teams is kind of a uh, regionals and at state as an eighth grader and being around all these girls that were juniors and seniors and being such a young athlete and not knowing anybody getting dropped on this team at the end of a season and the girls just being so warm and welcoming to me and accepting of me I think really set me up for success to how I approached the rest of my athletic career and how I approached the team aspect of track and field make sure everyone felt w- welcome and make sure that their part is just as important as my contributions to the team, regardless of what those contributions are. That was one thing as an athlete, as a person that really stuck out to me outside of just the sheer athletics of running and racing. And then on my, I believe my sophomore year, I could be wrong on this, but the local newspaper in Minot did an article on me and Brecca Walland, who was a phenomenal distance runner from Minot High as well at the time. And the newspaper guy wanted me and Brecca to take a picture with our backs together. And I'm pretty sure if someone did some digging, they could find this photo. And it is absolutely embarrassing of me. It is so bad. I wasn't wearing matching clothes. I had like some bright green shorts and a pink shirt. It was real bad, real, real bad. But that's for another story and another day. But we're standing back to back and he had us hold these brooms and it was like the headline was like sweeping the track or something like that because and that kind of stood out to me as something of how important it is in track for everyone to do their part because the article was all about how Minot High had a chance of winning that year because of a strong sprinter and a strong distance runner and being able to pull a lot of points with that and then the relays that followed and we had a phenomenal field team of field athletes that year as well and so that kind of stood out to me as a a remarkable moment um and then Howard Wood 
for whatever reason, my coach decided to make the trek from Minot, North Dakota to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, not one, but two years in a row. And we went as a relay team. And I think we were double A because they have single, double, and triple A in South Dakota at their track meets. And our relay team went down there and won a ton of races that we were not supposed to win. And we came out with like third place, I think, as a team. And all we did was run relays at the meet. We ran like four relays or five and that was it. And so that was definitely one of my more standoutish moments on a on the track for me that's remarkable outside of those state meets that are so energetic and high packed. And then, you know, there's always those meets that you don't really remember, but you remember because it was 60 mile an hours and wind and rainy and probably snowing, but yeah. those all turn into a blur at this point, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We are definitely going to find that photo at some point. I think that is a, a given, but yeah, I think the Howard Wood thing is so cool. And like for so long, so many teams on the Western side of the state have done that meet. Like, believe it or not, you know, Bismarck, Bismarck Century. I didn't know that you guys went down, but it sounds like mine not. And like, it's cool to see the rest of the state is kind of catching up to that. Like, I know Red River, Grand Forks Red River sent a squad a few years back. And I think Central has started to send some people down there and probably more of the Fargo schools. But yeah, Howard Wood is a big deal. So I know that hopefully some of the people listening have been at that meet before. And if not, you know, try to convince your coach to go because it is, yeah, is pretty cool. Yeah, I agree cool. with I'm that. Just... That was probably one of the biggest and coolest venues I had ever ran in. And honestly, debatable with North Dakota State Track. Like, yes, that the bowl in Bismarck is phenomenal and really cool. But there's something different about that venue at Howard Wood that just felt really track and fieldy until, until college, honestly. There were, wasn't many venues that stood out besides the Bismarck Bowl. And then um, Howard Wood at that time, I know a lot of facilities around the state of North Dakota have gotten many upgrades since our days in high school track, but it's definitely worth the visit to Howard Wood in my personal opinion. Yeah, I was going to say, Morgan, you haven't, you haven't competed at Cushman Field, have you, in Grand Forks? I have not, actually, which is surprising because I've ran a lot of places. Missing out. Definitely a top top three track in the state of North Dakota. It goes Drake, Dirt Track at Drake, <laughs> Cushman, Bismarck Bowl, probably. Yeah, yeah. But I <laughs> I would we're gonna go agree into with a, all of that. <laughs> we're gonna go into a different segment now. This one's like quite a bit different than what we just did. We covered your high school career. Uh we're gonna talk about your college career, but in the middle it's like a nice like sandwich or Oreo cookie. I don't know mm. which one you prefer. I probably prefer the Oreo. Yeah. But I was trying to come up with a cool name for it, but I'm just gonna tell you what we're gonna do. Okay. All right. So you're an elementary school gym teacher, correct? You're at the elementary school and what what school is it? And is it West I'm Fargo a, or a, Fargo? Yeah, I'm I'm two I'm a traveling teacher, so I teach at two schools in West Fargo. That's impressive. And you run between them both, right? You don't drive like you. <laughs> yeah. These, these legs have don't know what a car is. I Fargo to Minot, no questions asked. I'm just hopping on the highway and going for a quick sprint. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, they're, a, they're, they're a little, they're a little far for that. I, I definitely drive, but. <laughs> <laughs> so how it's going to work. We're going to give you a scenario and you're going to tell us how you're going to handle this situation. The scenario is like an elementary gym situation that you've been out of the game for a while since March. You haven't been able to be in the gym with your students, but hopefully you're not too rusty. So we're going to go alternating fashion. You have four scenarios. Cam's going to give you your first one. Oh man. All right. All right. The first scenario is, is this in a game of dodgeball, Timmy gets way too competitive and drills Sally square in the face with a dodgeball. Sally's glasses fly off and tears ensue. What do you do? Well, first I'm going to go check on Sally, make sure her glasses are okay. Cause if they're broken, then we need to deal with that situation and make sure she's okay. The glasses didn't cut her face or anything, you know, check out Sally, make sure she's good. Move her out of the playing field so that she does not get hit again. <laughs> or that I myself do not get hit. Not yeah. speaking from experience or anything there on that one. <laughs> and then I would have Tim come on over and apologize and then 
potentially take a break if it was more than the first offense of the day, you know, and intentional versus not intentional. I usually watch pretty good and see if it's a, a young kid losing control of a ball or not. But honestly, technically, we wouldn't have been playing dodgeball in the first place because we don't want to have human targets in elementary school anymore. So that probably would have been an after-school situation in an intramural where they signed up for. Wow. I learned a lot there. <laughs> hey, you can come any day and learn more if you want. We'll, we'll see what we can teach you. Well, you got three more scenarios left, so I think Cam's going to do a little <laughs> bit more learning. All right. Here, here's number two. Despite being in the middle of a basketball unit, Nigel and Joe approach you asking who you think is the faster of the two. Do you give them the opportunity to race? Oh, man, that's tough. Well, like outright race, probably not. Just going to say, hey, yeah, you guys, here's a star line on your marks. You said go, let's race it out. But. I do notice the kids have a tendency to race during our warm-up laps. We let them run a couple laps around the gym. And so if they're going to race at that time, I'll probably watch and see who wins. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm curious, but I'm not going to outright probably let them race, especially in the middle of a basketball unit, maybe outside or something where we're playing a game out there. And But, yeah. That's – that's probably the mature answer, but a little bit disappointing, honestly. I know it's it's a little sad, but I can't. I'm not. I'm not big on lying, so I gotta tell you the truth. <laughs> All right, question uh, scenario number three here. A uh, student comes up to you and says he could, without question, beat you in a four hundred. What do you do? Oh, easily. Let him win. <laughs> easily. No, I've got – actually, that's one of the kids' favorite things to do is either tag the teacher or race the teacher. And so I do spend a lot of time running with the kids. We do have an outdoor running track around both of my schools that I would run with them. And honestly, I think some of those kids could really beat me in a 50. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Outright, they probably could. But in a quarter, in a four, I think – I think I've got just a little little more on them. It helps probably being about a foot and a half taller than most of them too. But <laughs> some of those kids, you guys are way faster than I ever thought I was at that age. I'm not going to lie. Well, you better start telling Stevie about some of these kids, trying to get them recruited up. Yeah, recruiting the, the second grader at, in West Fargo. <laughs> yeah, don't you can't start too young. All right, you ready for the last one? I think so. Let's go for it. Okay. <laughs> this is my favorite. Okay. During online learning, a student says that she has fulfilled her daily required exercise by waving her arms back and forth. Does it count? <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I feel like I have to tell the backstory at this point. Oh, um. <sighs> Uh, yes, I let it count for those that are curious. It does. It did count in COVID round one of education. Oh man, that's such a good story. Oh, so Cam, I don't know if you heard the story, but no. that during, uh, from March to May, we were doing, um, a weekly log for the students to fill in and then they put in acti the activity. So it said Monday, the activity and then the amount of time they did it. And I could tell, I could probably talk an hour just about the responses that I got that were just rolling, laughing on the floor, humorous. But I was talking to Ryan one day and I was like, you will not believe like the answers I'm getting. I was like, today I literally got one that said, swinging my arms back and forth. Like, and it said like 30 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, like, there's no way that you sat, like, think about, literally think about just sitting there and swinging your arms forward and backwards and twisting them across your body. <laughs> like, but the worst part is I think they, they probably did it for 15 minutes. I'm not, I won't dispute that like at all, but I had, I had to give them the credit. If they really did do that for 30 minutes, I know my, my arms would hurt. And so I had to take it off of the sheet, you know, take what I was given and, 
and work with it regardless of what I thought really did or did not happen <laughs> that day. But so COVID round one, it did count. Uh, we'll see what happens as we get farther into this, this school year and see how strict uh, expectations are. It might, it might count for round two here coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you're a good teacher. And uh, for anyone that was wondering, we all waved our arms back and forth when it was like, imagine if you could do that. So we were all on the screen doing it. But all right, that's enough scenarios. Let's, uh, we'll go back into some a little bit more serious, but then we'll, we'll finish up with a few more fun questions. Perfect. All right. Uh, we just want to like transition now into your time at NDSU. Came to NDSU in the fall of 2013 and pretty much right away found yourself in a big role for the team and individually. Was the transition difficult? I know earlier you, you had mentioned an injury from your senior year of high school. Did that play into to the, to the fall coming in? Just kind of walk us through that. That injury did play a little role. I was a little gun shy with racing and unsure. I was scared. I hadn't really taken any aggressive running after that injury so coming in and training and it was kind of a shock and it was a completely different training than anything I was used to in high school so that was a shock but at the time there's a ton again I got I was fortunate I was lucky getting into college I found a group of older girls that were older and they right away took me under their wing and were supportive and I think that in and of itself was super helpful for my success at NDSU feeling welcomed right away and feeling not, I don't want to say important, but feeling like I wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. And that's again, stuck out with me, something that happened in high school and made an impact in my life. And then again, in college and made another impact. And so I tried to do that for those kids as well as I was older, but I did feel a little bit of pressure and uncertainties that first freshman year. And I actually ran my worst 400 of my timed career during Eskimo relays my freshman year. So I came in and then that happened and just being on a low, that nerve wracking moment of like running Eskimo relays, um, which is for those that don't know, it's kind of like a pre-meet in October to kind of see where everyone's sitting. And I ran worse than any of my high school times. And I just like, kind of had a moment and broke down and I was like, is this, am I doing the right thing? Like, is this right? Am I ever going to get some of that speed back that I had? And then I kind of just got after it. And I was like, yeah, like, this is what I want. I want to work hard and I want this. And so I just put my mind to it and started running hard and sticking with the older girls at practice and making sure I was trying to stay as close as I could with them on every rep. And then the rest of that kind of ensued in my freshman career and the time started dropping and the race mentality came back and then it just became fun again. And when racing is fun, everyone raced their best when it's the fun. So I just got lucky, I think. Yeah. And like some of those girls, like I'm trying to think back, like, and add a few, if I miss any, but you know, like Ashley Heinze, uh, Antoinette Goodman, Ashley Tinglestead, let's see, Paige Stradiotti. Who else was in that training group when you were a freshman? Ashlyn, and she was an 800 runner. Amy Andrushko was an 800 runner. Melissa Kitching was a 400 hurdler, 800 runner. They were all, at the time, they were all top three, top four Summit League runners in their respective events. So being able to follow them. So there was a lot of girls with high expectations and ex- extremely hard work ethics when I joined the team and the bar was set high. So we just went with it and you, you met the bar or you did it. And, you know, you met the bar or exceeded that line. You go from your, your worst timed 400 ever in when's Eskimos usually like December, October, September, October, November. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Somewhere around it, like October in the fall. Uh, and then by March, uh, you're at the indoor national meet competing with, with your teammates. What was the atmosphere at your first NCAA championships? What, what were you thinking? I'm not going to lie. Personally, I was super nervous. I typically was a nervous racer in general, but we did not have a great, I won't lie. Like you can ask the girls that were there. 
And the experience was great. Running at Nationals was phenomenal. None of us had ever ran on a big track before, which is a curve for all of us. Literally, if you've never ran on a banked surface, there's a lot of more strategy that goes into it than one would think. And we had a terrible, terrible flight experience. So we actually never got to do any workouts on the bank track before the race. When we got there, we ended up getting a couple striders off the banks. We ended up having like three canceled flights, driving to Bismarck, having three connecting flights, and ended up getting split up from our coach, who at the time was Ryan Godfrey. And Net at the time was our alternate. So the four of us that were racing got on a plane and landed with no coach, no luggage, no nothing. And our coach had to bring all of our luggage and everything the next day. And then by the time he got there, we didn't have hardly any time to do any running on the bank track. So I think all things considered, we ran great and we, we enjoyed the experience the best we could. But I feel like overall nerves and stress could have been better if travel could have been better. It's honestly so hard. That thing is out of your control. Like if you miss a flight or if like a flight gets canceled, there's nothing you do about it. You just have to adapt. And it sounds like you guys obviously adapted pretty well. I don't know exactly what place we took, but I do know we didn't take last as well. And um, I was just thinking about it. I have a note. I have a Word document on my computer somewhere. Because freshman year, we had so many canceled flights. We started keeping track of like flight and travel delays that had happened. But I do know like we had over 24 hours worth of travel, less than 48 hours from racing. For us to put out the times we still did was pretty phenomenal. So then like going into that outdoor season, obviously there, there had to be this, I mean, this sense of accomplishment. You made it to the highest level, you know, you'd made it to indoor nationals, which is arguably, you know, harder to qualify for than outdoor nationals. But with the poor travel and everything, I'm sure there was this sense of like, ah, oh, man, like we have, we have more to give like we we can do way better than that. So what was your confidence level like? Did you have any have any doubts about qualifying or uh was it just back to work? Let's focus on the first meet and then we'll focus on winning the conference meet and then then we'll focus on on nationals or regionals. Maybe it was me being young, but I personally I felt like it was one step at a time kind of like okay, let's take of let's take care of the summit league and make sure we do well as a team first, right? Because you guys both were at NDSU and you understand how important it is for a team to do well at conference. And then the move was like, okay, now let's move on and let's worry about regionals and nationals. But about halfway through that outdoor season, you know, you start to realize like, hey, we're still running really good. Like we've got a shot at this. Like let's, let's hone in. Let's pick our best four. Let's clean this up and let's get this going the best we can. Personally, for me, it kind of clicked. Maybe for the girls older, it was right from the word go because they want, you know, they're, they understood it more than I did from being young. And, but we just got after it every day and ran hard and it played in our favor. Yeah. And then you go on, you end up being, I believe, second team All-Americans. So you have a, I mean, arguably better race outdoors at nationals than you do indoors. You know, speaking of some of those like big meets, like you mentioned conference and regionals and nationals. And like, I was looking back at some of your other races that you got to compete in. You went to the armory in New York city and it was a DMR that you ran there. Yeah, that's correct. And then you also ran like a really fast DMR at Notre Dame at the Alex Wilson meet. So like the, the list just like keeps going on. You obviously knew how to compete in the spotlight uh, when the pressure was there. How did you prepare for that? Like, was it just through experience? Was it just like over time you got comfortable or how did you always show up? I would say I showed up probably 90% of the time. I wouldn't say I always showed up as much as I would love to say I showed up a hundred percent of the time and raced a hundred percent of my best. Every time I was on the track racing, that wasn't necessarily the case. I think part of it was due to that injury and realizing like I didn't know when my last race was cause I had a moment of thinking this was gone and so that helped push me to realize that this is it and I think it helped to realize this is one minute of my entire life like let's give everything I've got for one minute when you put it into perspective 
even in a day, that's not very much time in your day dedicated solely to one thing. And that would definitely help me along the way. In terms of pre-meat and helping nerves and such, I coped in probably the most unique way. At the time, I wasn't a huge music person. and I was more of a social person. But what I would do is I would try to find the best way to stay relaxed. And for me, a lot of times that ended up being a nap, which most people wouldn't recommend taking a nap before you raced. But for me, it's what kept my nerves at bay. And it worked in my favor every time. Well, most of the time, I should say, yeah. No, that's good. My next question was actually like, what advice would you give to like younger athletes? But like, I mean, some might take the nap thing and run with it. But I think like, like you said, like the one minute, you know, you give 60 seconds. And honestly, you hope it's even less than that. But you go hard for that 60 seconds. And it's like, why not? You know, especially like when you're doing a four by four, it's not just you, you're doing it for yourself. And I think too, something I noticed, like, as you got older, like, you were an example for so many other athletes, like, and I still try to think about that, like, you know, random meets when Stevie will come up to Cam and I and be like, hey, you want to hop in a four by four? It's like, let's be that example and, you know, show them there's nothing to be afraid of. Go out and get after it. If there's anything else I could give for advice, I guess, to just add a little bit to it would be to find the fun in, like we said earlier, find that fun in racing and enjoy what you're doing. Like, it's not going to be easy it's not going to be fun sometimes but as a whole if it's still fun and you're still enjoying it it's definitely worth doing and like you said it's that team like some of my best friends are people of a lifetime now because of running and I the things we got to experience together if you need it find someone to be your inspiration at times or be someone else's inspiration sometimes just wanting to be someone else's inspiration is enough for you to get through the hard patches knowing that someone else might be watching and checking out on how you're doing and stuff yeah i'd completely agree with that because i feel like at least for me anytime that you raced it was like i was making sure that i was watching the race like whether it was uh, i think of indoor like your 300 meter race where you set the school record or like Anytime you had a four by four, anytime, like you had any race, it was like, Morgan's going to do something special on the track. Like I need to watch this. I remember your senior season, like that, like stands out a lot to me. Cause that was the year you set that 300 indoor record, right? That was your senior year. And then you also like, I remember it was the big deal. Like you went to NCAAs as a freshman and then like, for whatever reasons, like the four by four and you got a couple tough breaks in some of your individual events too. You went to regionals so many years, but the big thing was like, Morgan Milbreath is like leading the charge and getting these, like the rest of the team back to nationals. So you have this monster senior season and Cam, I'm going to steal your last question here a little bit, but like when you, when you sit back and you reflect on your running career, like what were some of those key moments that stood out to you? Some of just like your favorite moments. Some of them you guys have kind of mentioned, you've asked questions about them, but that meet in New York was such a unique meet. That facility, that experience was phenomenal I really like Drake relays every year in Iowa any meet we ever had in California was nice because it was always a cool backdrop like there was Long Beach with the pyramid and then there was Mount Sac at Mount Sac the year it was there and then the other year it wasn't there there was just so many cool facilities we got to see one of my favorite favorite memories um, of my entire career is probably the time that I was on the track in Long Beach. We were running four by fours and it was technically like an open division of four by fours. It wasn't just a collegiate division. So in the lane next to us was Olympic athletes, like girls that are Olympic medal winners were in the, I was, and we got, ended up getting a picture with them and it was super enjoyable and fun and getting to see our role models and race against her role models, you know, and just, I was an arm's length away from a girl who has an Olympic gold medal. Like you, that doesn't happen every day, but in track and field, it does because it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. You have the opportunity to go anywhere and do what you love everywhere. You can run anywhere. It doesn't matter. One of my favorite things about Mount Sac is the Paralympic Games. They had a Paralympic events, and I watched an individual um, who was seeing impaired run with a guide runner, and he shattered like 80% of the competition's time in 
the regular meet outside of his division. Like watching that was just so eye opening. Like if he can do it and run that hard, you know what I mean? And just be that trusting, Mm -hmm. then I can be more trusting and we can do more and we can have more fun, you know? So that, that was an awesome experience too. watching those other individuals compete at all of these big meets that I was able to travel to and see because of the opportunities I received at North Dakota state, um, because that's where I chose to go for school and they happen to have a good track program too. You know what I mean? Like, like Cam said earlier, you got to find the right place for you, you know, and find what's right for you in your life. So. Yeah. It's fun to look back on your career and like, you know, the whole reason we started this podcast was so that we could like, you know, shed some light on those stories. And I know you've been on the cover of Bison Illustrated and you, you had your time in the spotlight, but like for however many state titles, however many conference titles, like I said, too many to count. It's like, it's fun to hear these stories that we wouldn't normally get to hear. But right. We're going to go into, we're going to finish things off with uh, a few fun questions that we put together. Um, we may or may not have reached out to some former teammates to get a little oh. bit of background on you. It's nothing too bad, but we got a few stories. So the first one that I had was besides me, of course, who is your favorite teammate? It sounds like you hold Rose in high esteem, but was there anyone else? Or if you can't name specifically one, like if you don't want to just name me, you can name like a few others, like maybe Cam, I don't know, but I mean, Obviously, you two were up there. You guys knew everybody on both the men's and women's teams, and you guys were personable with everyone. And so I think that really stood out to me. Honestly, any girl that was ever a part of Stevie's 400 crew, even if it was for a day, there's something so unique about being with that training group. You guys know that. Wow, there's so many people. Like, I really – that's a hard – that's a challenging, challenging question. I won't deny that to – to pick a sole person, but I really did look up to Rose and some of those older girls on the four by four team that really helped carry me um, and teach me the ways to turn into the athlete that I ended up finishing my career as. Before the the next scripted question, a little fact I came across, uh, you are on at least outdoors. You're on seven of the 10 top 10 times in the four by four in NDSU history. Did you know that? I did not know that. And I, I trust your fact checking. I won't lie. That's one thing I never, never really did was look at a summary of whatever I did. You know, I just, I did it. And then I tried to beat it the next time, I guess. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. That's a, that's a massive number. I won't lie. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not sure how many different like combinations of different teams there was. Cause I know like your freshman year, there's like five or six different girls who any of you could have ran at any given time but yeah as I was going down the list I was like oh they just always ran Morgan she was just she was always on every single team I guess so yeah seven out of ten so I thought that was pretty cool and then I guess I have one more before this scripted one sorry I'm going off completely off the off the but uh has anybody ever told you uh that you and I look similar or has anyone ever asked you if we were related at all so once and I think it was because they talked to you first or something but there was one time where someone was like hey are you and Cam related and I was like no and they were like you guys look a lot alike I was like no no we don't I just kind of and then they're no like come over here and we yeah I mean I was like uh yeah we definitely do we both have a pretty solid pretty big smile we've got both got brunette hair like it's the t- it's like all right I, st- I definitely see where it's coming from yeah, yeah oh i yeah but only once sadly only once we could we should have got that more i've yeah. heard of it more times i had a few quite people would ask me since i was good buddies with both of you but so it, it has happened it's a behind it was one of those too too awkward to ask the person questions i see probably yeah. A lot of the listeners probably don't know this, but as a fifth year, you decided to join the softball team. Was that just because you wanted to flex your athletic abilities on the rest of the student athletes at NDSU? No, that was not the rationale behind that. No, um, I still say this to this day. If the NCAA didn't have a cap on the years we were allowed to be athletes, I would still be finding a reason to be in college and being an athlete. 
I loved being a collegiate athlete. There was something unique about being a collegiate athlete that I think is different than being a professional athlete. But there's something about that camaraderie and that team aspect of being in college. Knew a couple of girls on the softball team and a few of them like, hey, we could use a pinch runner. You're fast. Like, why don't you try out? And I was like, you guys, I've never played fast pitch in my life. I don't even know if I could do it. I was like, I played slow pitch like a couple of years, like a long time ago. And they're like, well, what, like, what's the worst that's going to happen? You, you ask and get told no. And I was like, yeah, that's a good point. Like what's that's, if that's worst case scenario, I guess I'm, I'm willing to take that risk. So did some reaching out, had a full true tryout with, there was about seven or eight girls that were at tryouts. The coaches were impressed with the foot speed and I kind of was like a glorified practice player slash pinch runner for my fifth year. And I got to, because of some stuff at, in the college, I worked with them just from January through June. So about just their active um, official season. Yeah. It was a, it was a very unique experience for sure. And it came full circle because the email account that you gave, that you gave us to email you stuff. Um, I won't give it out like over like a live podcast, but it was, something along the lines of softball addiction. So were you, are you also a prophet? <laughs> no, sadly, that would be pretty cool. But shout out to seventh grade and making Gmail accounts that weren't your name a thing. And let's just say, I probably could have sent you a different email. Didn't even think about that one, but Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it led into it the segment today and we could all have a good laugh about it but yeah that was back when I played slow pitch and you know I thought I was hot stuff in center field and caught like I think maybe 10 fly balls my whole career you know so well I'm so glad that you used that email address I was beyond stoked when that was the one you sent us hey I I pressed it I was like oh I should I had it all typed and I was like you know it's like nope uh, let's go for it. It is what it is. Send <laughs> back to uh, back to some insider information that that we dug up. Uh, there's a story about an airport chilies that we're supposed to ask you about. Oh man, I think this one's a little bit guilt by association. If I remember the story right, <laughs> I could be wrong. But if I remember correctly, airports chilies are chilies two, T-O-O, not chill, just a straight chilies franchise, technically. So at chilies, you get free chips and salsa, right? At chilies two, you do not. And if I remember right, I encouraged a teammate to turn around and grab somebody's chips and salsa off the table they just left and put it on our table so that we could have free chips and salsa. I don't think I was the first initial instigator. I definitely supported, encouraged the movement. Um, there was that. That same trip, someone ordered chicken strips off the kids' meals because they didn't like chilies, and we never let them live down their chicken strip order off the kids' menu, and the lady wouldn't, like, there was a whole scuffle about that because the lady was like, you're not a kid. I can't let you order off the kids' menu. And they were like, this is literally the only thing on your menu I can eat. So either I want this or I'm not eating. Like, <laughs> so it was, it was a messy, so I don't exactly know who told you to reach out to Chili's, but I'm assuming it was probably the chips and salsa story about encouraging them to grab the chips and salsa off the other table. Yes, that was 100% it. Ha, yes, <laughs> I do remember that. That was a very fun, that whole day at that Chili's was like. Wait, hold on. Day at Chili's? Well, whole okay, sorry. No, oh, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> sorry, that. I wish it was a day at Chili's. No. <laughs> Chips and salsa all day long. Oh, yeah. But no, that whole, that experience definitely is like one of the few meal moments, like, of eating on the road that stuck out of stuff that happened. I mean, there's a couple other ones where people were doing push-ups in the restaurant due to the what are the odds game, but that Chili's one is definitely one that'll never 
<laughs> will always stick with me. Free chips and salsa, whether we had to take it off of a dirty table or not, I guess. Oh, <laughs> uh, and then our final question we ask uh, at the end of every episode, all of our guests, the same question. So what advice would you give to young runners? And you are actually the first female guest on the show. So maybe specifically like female runners, like high school athletes that are shooting for the same kind of trajectory and the same kind of success that you had, what kind of advice would you give them? Don't be afraid to be different because everyone handles things differently and everyone handles adversity differently. And so things might not move as fast as you want them to, but if you really, if that's something you really want and you're a hundred percent in and by a hundred percent, I don't mean just, you know, working hard on the days that you feel good. You got to put in the work on the days that you don't feel good and you got to pay attention to what you're fueling your body with. Like, as a high school athlete, yes, nutrition is not the most important part. You just need to make sure you're consuming enough food. And I know that's an issue with females, especially having this ideal that a runner, a female runner should look a certain way. And that is not the case. And if you look at professional athletes, they're all promoting this too. There's this misconception of what a female athlete should look like. And I know some even males struggle with that. And the biggest thing is make sure you're taking care of yourself and do things that are right for you. I was at times made fun of at practice for being the tryhard. I was the kid who was made fun of for always going 100% all the time and doing exactly what the coach asked. But for me, that paid off. Trusting my coaches and trusting that. But then at the same time, I was also the first person when the time was right to have fun and to make a joke and make somebody else smile and not take it so seriously all the time because at the end of the day, being an athlete is an, a phenomenal experience. Well, honestly, thank you so much for coming on. And I learned a few new stories and, you know, I, even being teammates with you for several years, I got uh, a little better picture of what the, the whole career of Morgan Milbreath looked like. So. Yeah, no, this was an awesome experience and you guys knew things about myself. I didn't even know, like Cam said about being on that leaderboard and, you guys definitely did some good digging. I'm curious where some of those stories came from and who was, who was shedding some light. I'm going to have to go after some, nah, I'm teasing, but <laughs> yeah, no, it was, I'm glad I'm, this was super awesome and yeah, keep it up guys. You're doing phenomenal work.